right, welcome to another episode of the Unfazed Podcast. Um, today, I have a really um, cool, dope, inspiring individual. Um, I feel like every time I interview someone, um, I feel like when I'm on uh, watching Steve Harvey, he always said, we got a good one for you today. Or on the Breakfast Club, they say, we got a really special guest, but I really do mean that. Um, and every time I interview somebody for my podcast, um, it has to be a quality individual because the Unfazed podcast is based around giving um, a reflection of someone's unfazed journey. And I'm excited to introduce um, Tunde. I'm not going to butcher his last name. I'll let him explain that in a second. Um, but Tunde is, is a really uh, dope individual that I met um, who's doing some great things in the community where I come from. Um, so Tunde, thank you for being on here today. I appreciate you giving me your time. I know you're a busy man. You're on mute. Nah, brother. Um, no, nah, the pleasure is mine, man. And, you know, uh, obviously Unfazed is an incredible message, an incredible brand. Um, but what I hope people understand is there's an incredible visionary behind it. And you struck me as that um, the, the minute I met you. I mean, your reputation um, preceded you. Uh, I think if people know, know, you know, especially people in the community know um, we've been patronizing, you know, we've been... Um, you know, being fed, if you will, literally from about from your presence, uh, Jonathan's Fish and Chips was more than just, um, you know, the one of the best food spots um, in the peninsula and in the Bay, but it's, it, it embodied the spirit um, of who you are, right? Like I, I saw your jersey, I saw your, um, your picture well before I met you, you know what I mean? I was, I was like I said, I, your name was out of my mouth, you know, um, so many times before I met you. And then I, and then I got to meet you and got to see the spirit um, of who you are, of who your family is. So like I said, the pleasure is mine, my brother. Cool. Um, can you tell everybody how to pronounce your last name? But, uh, well, <laughs> I'm a big family, my brother. And my father's from Nigeria, mother from white, mother's white American. Um, but uh, my father was one of 10. Um, and we have a tremendously large family. Everybody says it differently. So I'm gonna tell you how I say it. Uh, my name is Ola Tunde Michael Shabomahin, um, or Shabomahin, uh, and and that's that that that's a Nigerian name, Yoruba uh, language, Yoruba tribe. Uh, Ola Tunde means blessings arrive afresh. Um, Michael is is the archangel in the Bible, and Shabomahin means the God of Africa protects our back. Um, and so all those things, you know, um, to me reside deeply in my heart, and hopefully. Uh, come through in the actions that I take. Perfect, perfect. Um, so we're we're just gonna have a conversation, um, just like we've had before, but this time it's gonna be on record, so the rest of the world gets to hear um, your inspiring story from my perspective. Like I said, uh, we met because you have um, an inspirational and awesome uh, thing that you're doing in the community where I come from, which is East Palo Alto and Menlo Park. Um, called Street Code, and that's how we met. Um, it was organic in terms of how it happened. Uh, you eating off my mom's food truck, and then she telling me about you, but then once I got back home from living in Texas, I was able to see it with my own two eyes, and it resonated with me because as we see in the background at my house, my office, my classroom, um, that Nipsey, um, 
is somebody who's inspirational to me. And, and I know that he has something kind of similar to what you're doing called Vector 90, to where you're trying to bring kids um, from the low economic backgrounds and help them try to get a leg up on um, different races that usually have the resources to succeed. And so I appreciate that. And I got to see that with my own two eyes. But before we get to that point, I want to kind of talk about your um, your beginning journey of, of where you come from. So tell me where, exactly where you come from. Hmm. I laugh because um, I went to Nigeria in December of last year. And I had someone ask me that question, where are you from? I said, the Bay. Mm -hmm. And she no longer looked me in the face. She looked at the person who brought me and told her, told him to take me out the room. Mm. And she, she said it in the Yoruba language. Basically, get this imposter out the room because I'm applying for a passport at this point. Right. And what he told me after he, after he laughed was like, man, bro, when they say where you from, they're not asking where you live in. They're not even asking where you're born. They're asking where are you from. Mm -hmm. So where I'm from is Ogun State, Nigeria. It's the birthplace of my father. Um, that's where I'm from. Where I was born was in Los Angeles, raised in Portland, Oregon, live out in the Bay, live in East Palo Alto right now. Um, hopefully that answered your question. Yes, sir. Um, so you went to school in Oregon? Mm -hmm. I grew raised raised in Portland, Oregon. Okay. Um, so as you were growing up in Oregon, tell me what it was like living there. Like I've never been to Oregon besides playing at Oregon State for a weekend and coming back home. I've never had the uh, the option or the 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 ability to go to Oregon up to this point in my life. So tell me what it was like growing up in in Oregon. But, but you went. You played against Oregon against Oregon State. Um. So I played at Oregon State. And Got then it. I didn't play at Oregon. Got it. Um, because I was at Cal for three years. Our first year, Oregon came to us. Um, the second year, uh, I red, I medical redshirted, and Got then um, no, I they the year I medical redshirted, they went to Oregon, so I didn't get a chance because I medical redshirted. And then the, the last year I was there, they came to us. Mm -hmm. so I never got a chance to. Uh, witness Hudson Stadium. So my time is uh, interesting fans in, in uh, Corvallis. That's my only. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, so so I'm not a historian. Let me let me preface that. Um, but I do think some context about Oregon um, will help shape, you know, kind of my experience. So Oregon, obviously, West Coast, um, you know, and 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 as um, sort of this Western expansion happened, with the United States, um, white men were, were given land. Um, Oregon was founded as a state that would be like a white utopia. Um, and so they wanted a, a location that would be free of, of the tension of, around blacks and whites living together, um, that the South faced that post emancipation um, from slavery that the, that the North was kind of facing or, or had been facing, but, but faced even more so. Um, and so, Oregon was like a white utopia, right? And so um, then you had with primarily from my sources, the railroad, the expansion of the railroad, you now have black porters who were on the trains, black people who were, who were labor, was a labor force come primarily to Portland, Oregon, which was the, which was the, the, the major port. Um, 
and became the major attraction for black um, folks who were, who were looking for economic empowerment. And they redlined like they did in every other city and forced black people to live in, in a small place called Northeast Portland. And so that happened over the decades. Um, and Portland basically mirrored every other city, uh, you know, metropolitan city, you know, after that, right? So the 70s, hippie kind of movement, 80s, you had crack. Um, I was born in 1980, um, 90s, you had a lot of the, the gang violence um, and 2000, et cetera. I actually left um, in 1998. So I came up in an era where you know, Portland had a very strong community. It was it was African American community, um, largely black in Northeast Portland. I actually didn't live there, but but went to school there, went to church there, and, and my father and, and mother worked there. So that was like our upbringing was was in that community. Um, so I really didn't, you know, I had a very strong black community, and this was a community that was um, very well put together. I Man, I was part of an African based rights to passage program had a hundred black men in it, just, just to give you an example. Um, I played hoop growing up, both in, um, both in middle school and, and, and in high school um, with the diverse community, but, but a lot of African-American, you know, African, you know, young, young black people there. Um, went to a high school that was very diverse, you know, had, had a mix of whites, had a mix of blacks, had a mix of um, Asians. Um, but I felt very strong in who I was, felt very strong in my identity. Um, love God, um, had a great church community. I mean, it was, it was a beautiful upbringing. Um, I came to realize how racist the state and the city was as I got older, because really the, the, the opportunities there were only right there in Northeast. Like they didn't really let you expand outside. And I heard stories, like I, I played on a classic soccer team. So we would travel to Medford or we would travel um, certain places and, and they, would, they would tell me, cause I was the only, one of the only black people Man, you gotta watch out. It's where the KKK is, and you know things like that. So, um, but for the most part, man, I had a loving family. My family was—I'm the oldest of four boys. My family was very committed to like. Um, my father's Nigerian. He was 15 years older than my mom. He kind of set the pace of the house, and his posture he brought from the village, which was like, "Yo, if I have something, I'ma share it." And that was straight up what we did. We had two homeless people living in my home. And by the time I left. Um, they, you know, my dad saw him sleeping out in the backyard and invited him into our, into our house, live in our basement. And we had always had people over our house. I had no blood relatives there. So everyone basically became my family. Um, very giving family. My dad would ride the van and, and stop in the middle of the street, give kids, you know, candy or, or, or just, he basically knew every young person in the whole entire community. Um, so it was, it was a great upbringing. Um, when I came to Stanford, I kind of realized how big the world was outside of just my right. Northeast Portland. And, and so it was hard for me to come back knowing that there were folks like you in the world. I mean, just some major players that were doing international stuff as opposed to just community level um, type work. And so I never really returned permanently, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing through 503, you know, my area code. Um, <clears throat> so you, you brought up basketball, which is where I was going to get to uh, uh, at some point. Um, talk to me about your, your basketball journey and uh, how that has shaped you into who you are today, what you learned from it, um, what positives or negatives you had growing up from Portland all the way to Stanford, Stanford which we'll get into a little bit later. Yeah, no, bless you, bro. Um, so basketball... 
um, had a tremendous part of me growing up, right? I mean, I was, you know, I was a young mixed kid in elementary school. I didn't know I was mixed. I just, I just, you know, knew I was black. I didn't even have the word for mixed. Um, I knew my mom obviously was white. I knew my dad was African, but for me, I'm just, you know, a black kid growing up in a very diverse, but really I was a minority in my elementary school. Then I went to Harriet Tubman Middle School. Now this, this was a school basically all black um, in the middle, dot, dot, drop dead in the middle of the hood. Um, and I went there because they had an amazing science program, amazing black um, principal. And, you know, I was so intimidated because I didn't really know. We were around black people at school. I mean, in church, we were around black people with my father's program. But in terms of like the streets, I couldn't, mm. I couldn't, I, I, that wasn't me. So right. I was, I was really, man, I was sixth grade. I was at, I was in the library for dances. When we had a dance, I went to the library. Mm. Recess, I went to the library. You know what I'm saying? Like that was, I played chess. I read books. Like I was kind of a nerd, sixth grade. Seventh grade, I was playing. I ended up going to the gym during the dance. And uh, there was, you know, big, tall, six, four African-American man. Um, I didn't know at the time, but he was basically scouting for the seventh grade hoop team. And he seen me play. And whatever it was, it spoke to him. And he was like, this is my starting point. This is my dude. Mm-hmm. And he, I think he had a little chip on his shoulder, but just the hood, right? It was, it was half, you know, most of us is like, we're going to go in and go back into these communities, not just for hoop, but for the sake of like teaching life lessons. He right. put a lot of the best play, basketball players on the B team and put the A team with a lot of some of the squares, some of the whatever, and made me the starting point guard and groomed us to be really good basketball players. We had a really diverse team and we ended up becoming a really great basketball team. And I was a starting point guard. And so he kind of like poured into me and helped me build bridges because that gave me credibility. Mm-hmm. So it helped me build bridges. By the middle of seventh grade year, man, I, I knew people and people knew me on a first name basis. I started to end up going to the dances. Actually, I never really danced like that, but at least was there. Got a girlfriend for the first time, seventh grade. Like, this is me. Basketball kind of helped me become accepted in a community, Jonathan, to be honest, that I wanted to be accepted by, but didn't know how to become accepted. Like, I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't grow up watching Martin. I didn't grow up watching, you know, like my father's from Nigeria, my mom is white. I didn't have that culture in my household. Right. So I had to learn that. And, and basketball gave me a chance to be around people and, and get in there. And I'm forever indebted, man, to my seventh grade basketball coach, to my teammates who really gave me a sense of identity and helped me early on. And then I went to Benson Tech, premier. This, this is one of the best um, basketball schools, if not the best in the state. Um, and had a, had a journey there. What city up, is it? This is Portland, Oregon. This is Portland. Yeah, Benson Tech, powerful school. And ended up playing there on my team. We had seven division one basketball players. Like, we, you know, we had squad that were really good. Ended up, ended up, you know, playing a couple of years there, but um, yeah, that was my basketball journey. So that's um, a really interesting story that I, I didn't know, but I actually, I'm, I'm taking a class at Foothill right now. And I literally yesterday did an assignment. The, the question was, um, do I think sports build character? And participating, do I think participating in sports builds character? 
And so you just gave that answer right now. It shaped you. It gave you so many different uh, things that you didn't expect that you were looking for indirectly. And it just kind of opened doors and, and, and shaped you into who you are up to this point. And you were looking for that. Um, but obviously my answer was yes. I, I believe that sports builds character and, and it shaped me into who I am literally. Um, I learned a lot from sports and just in this little snippet that you gave me is, is a, a direct um, correlation to how important sports are to our culture and to shaping us as who we are as individuals. So I thought that was, that was really uh, dope that you just talked about what I just did for my homework assignment last night. Um, so as you're in high school, did you have any specific goals? What did you want to do with basketball? Places you wanted to go? I know where you ended up, but did you have any specific goals to where you wanted to go? Um, getting a scholarship, walking on specific schools in the state and the country? Did, did you have any specifics of what you want to do? And if you didn't get a scholarship, did you have a, a backup plan? Tell, tell me about that. Yeah, no, basketball wasn't like, sports wasn't like my way out, right? Like that wasn't my man, my mindset was that sports was my way out. Um, you know, we, we were raised in a home, like Jerry and Pops, he was not in school, school was school, you know what I mean? Like period. Um, but for me, it really was, man, like, and I, and just reflecting on this podcast, it just, it makes me so grateful for what sports gave me. You know what I mean? Like we talking about Jonathan, a kid who, I look back and now look back and say, man, you didn't really fit in. You didn't know where to fit in. I look back on that. I, I felt right. cool going through it. But looking back, I'm like, man, you didn't really know where, how to fit in. And I'm, you know, for me, I was going to try to dress fly, but I'm not that fly naturally. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have that, that like kind of it factor. Mm -hmm. So I tried that. Like, I, I did not, I was convicted about and knew what, I mean, I early on my mother, my mother gave me wisdom of what it was like, right, to get, to be sexually active, to be, um, you know, to start that part of your life prematurely. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really want it like that with girl. I didn't want to say like, yo, I'm about to be this player. Just to, I didn't want that. That wasn't who I was. I wasn't going to be talking smack. I certainly wasn't a fighter. So like, I didn't, I didn't know how to really gain my credibility in the community I was in and the community right. I wanted. I didn't want to be the square to the left. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to kick it. You know what I'm saying? And so basketball gave me that. Like basketball in a way that was healthy. Right. So I'm forever grateful for that. But it wasn't my way out. It was a way of fitting in. It really was that. And I, you know, I think back, I'm like, dang, that's actually what happened when I came to Stanford, right? So my basketball journey is it that's a whole nother story. But like when I came to high school, I had a really challenging I had a great first year coach came in, which, you know, all our athletes, we, we know this kind of stuff. Coach comes in, doesn't like me, mm -hmm. makes it a point um, to kind of have me quit. Takes all my confidence mm -hmm. literally and st stomps this, it. Sorry to interrupt. This sounds like an unfazed uh, moment right now. <laughs> <laughs> Ding. You know what I'm saying? Hey, you know, <laughs> ring the bell. Like this is an unfazed moment, bro. Like, I'm crying in the back of my, my, I didn't want my mom to know, man. I was crying in the back of the car, like right. laying down crying. Cause I didn't even get in the game. You know, how, how you going to come into the now granted, I'm a, I'm a freshman. I'm putting up points. Like I'm, I'm a starting point guard. I'm sophomore. I'm not getting any burn. Right. Like, 
And so it is an unfazed moment, man. And you know what? Like, to be honest with you, it fazed me. Like, it it really held me down. And so by junior and senior year, I ended up starting senior year. But I ended up, you know, I'm averaging, you know, four, five, six points. I'm not really averaging a lot. Like, we got goons on the squad. Like, we had, mm-hmm. we had like I mentioned, we had seven D1 players. And, you know, the starting players was, was nice. So that's cool. But again, my confidence wasn't high. I wasn't really aggressive. I was playing it safe. I was just kind of keeping the team together. That was my role. So I wasn't recruited by anybody. I had um, one junior college offer me that said, I believe in, kind of like my coach, like, I believe in you. Give us some time yeah. to get you there. And I had one, in fact, it was coach Lorenzo Romar or Lorenzo Romar, yeah, I'm at Pepperdine. Who said he, he had been at Washington? He eventually went some other places, but he was at Pepperdine at the time and he was recruiting my teammate. And he was like, and I got into Pepperdine. He was like, if you get in, you can walk on. So I had that offer. Mm-hmm. But when I got into Stanford, I was like, I'm at Stanford. You know what right. I mean? And so then that's the real, my biggest unfazed story is the Stanford joint, which is like unfazed, fam, on the front pay, header of unfazed is. Right what I did, because basically it was like, I wanted it, they didn't want it, who was gonna win? That was basically the straight nutshell, you know what I mean, of, of the right. story. And, um, you know, header, the, 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 what do you call it? Like the- The headline? The headline is, you know, I, I won by a little bit. You know what I mean? I played, hey, that's all you need. played in three games. Um, I won in a, by a little bit, but uh, that was a crazy uphill battle. But it didn't it didn't stop you. That's the moral of the story is that you stuck to whatever it is that you wanted to achieve. Like you could have let you could have stopped your freshman year of high school. And who knows where you would be now? Who knows the access that you would have now to what you have overcome and what you achieved in between that time? That that to me is the, the main moral of the story is that we I mean, there's a misconception. And I'm glad you, you brought it up that you said you were phased and people need to understand that just because you embody that mindset doesn't mean you're always going to be unfazed. Everybody is phased. It's how you bounce back. It's part of this, the, the saying, uh, get up more times than you, you fall. So we all been phased, but if you get up, you are showing that you are unfazed and that's what you did. So it, it's a misconception that just because you have the mindset or your body being unfazed, it's like that hundred percent of the time. No, it's not. It's probably like that 40% of the time, 30% of the time, but you got to get up more than you get knocked down. That's, that's, that's what I think um, I, I took away from what you said. And that's what I wanted to verbalize that to people as they're listening or they're watching it. It's not unfazed 24 seven. We are phased, but you got to keep going, which is, is you um, basically showing that you're not a quitter. Um, so you're at Stanford, you walked on, how was that process for you? Was it a, was it a hard process? Was how many kids were our students were fighting for however many roles that they had? Um, what what was that process like? I mean, I I I, I just had to keep reiterating, man, how um, how honored I am to be on this podcast and you know sit across from you on my screen um, because this is helping me, bro. Like me talking about this is really helping me. So you, the first viewer is is already being you know helped and shaped. Um, because just reflecting on it, 
it's just it's it's a beautiful therapy. It's a beautiful um, testimony. It's encouraging, you know what I mean. And and so I know you talking about it on a daily basis. I'm scared of where you're gonna go. You know what I mean. I'm scared of the the um, you know the platforms you're gonna continue to create uh, for yourself and for others um, because you are embodying you know a, a mentality you know that that's available to all of us, which is to be unfazed. Mm-hmm. But to so thank you um, for having me. But to um, man, that process is long, bro. I, we ain't got all we we don't have that time for that. I'm gonna be honest, but. The short of it is this: I came into a top twenty-five team, right? You know, um, run by a coach named Mike Montgomery, Hall of Fame coach, extremely conservative, powerful coach. But he had a couple of viewpoints that made it hard for me. One of them was like, "I'm going to be extremely objective about how I coach. Mm. I'm not going to be personal. I'm not going to get caught up." In the in the personality, in the sauce of the story. No, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna look at the facts, not the narrative. You know what I mean, kind of thing. And so to look at me from a factual perspective, you know, five ten, half an athlete, um, can't really help us win. Like that's not. There's a reason to hire me as a manager, but not a reason to have me on the team. And so that's what he did. He hired me as a manager. I thank him for that. Mm. But he was not entertaining me being on the team. Mm. Now, I came to be a manager, and I was thankful for that because it gave me everything I was looking for. Mm. It gave me a sense of connection. It gave me a sense of belonging. It gave me a family. It gave me a purpose. It, it helped me be compete. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a competitor. Right. Um, so it gave me all that, and I felt a part of the team. Like, I didn't. Me being a manager felt like I'm in the locker room, fam, dang near ready to cry, just like they are. Like, right. I'm ready to compete. I know my thing don't got a uniform, but I'm feeling a part of it. So that was all good and good and, and good and great until <laughs> something really hit. And it really was the thing you, 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 you're getting, you're getting pieces of the story that very few people know. But like, I left my freshman year. I was an assistant manager of basketball. Mm-hmm. And I came back to Portland, the town that I love, the town that sent me away, the community that like, I spent my life trying to be a part of. I came back to that town after a freshman year of college doing something called Applied Business Computer Camp. I got some piece of knowledge that y'all didn't have, Portland. It's in Silicon Valley. Right. They doing things like pets.com. They doing, people are dropping out, making millions. Like this, this is the first tech boom. Mm-hmm. And I come back like, let's get on it, y'all. Apply business computer camp. Let's go. Fam, there was zero people that showed up. Mm. I, I had the arrangement for the computer cluster. I had funding. I had a plan. Zero people showed up. But our workouts for basketball was six o'clock in the morning. Mm. Bro, it was dang near dark. At right. six o'clock in the morning, like we, people, sun was just coming up five thirty, something like that. People were getting off the bus to make it to the workouts so we could hoop. Mm. And I got a plan to make you money after school, right? Anybody showing up? So I was like, so I switched, and I start, I stopped doing tech, and I started doing culture. That's when I started as Fachi. It was education and service through fashion, athletics, community, and entertainment. 
And I said, forget the positive stuff. Let's go do the popular stuff and make it hot. And that's when I said, yo, they'll listen to me if I play hoop. Right. And so I said, my why for trying to make the hoop team wasn't going to be to belong anymore. Cause I already had that. It was going to be to get a platform. Like I knew Jonathan would want me on his podcast. If I was a hooper, not just a community member, right. not just a community servant. Like, let me build this. And I was like, man, I'm going to make it now. My mentality at that point was like, I'm, I'm literally unfazed. I'm like, I had written and produced plays. Yeah. I had gotten into Stanford. I had gotten 4.0s when it was, I had made the state championship team. I had taken my team, my soccer team to state. Like I kind of like had goals check, goals check. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, who? I'm thinking I'm going to knock this out. Like, let's go. And dude was like, no. And I said, okay, well, okay. He made me really show him. So I like, let's go take it to another level. No, take it to another level. No, constantly no. And to the point, brother, and I'm making a long story short, he kicked me out the program hmm. because he said too many players wanted me to play. <laughs> so you got this bum walk on, right? Yeah. It's 5'10. I'm a buck 60. Couldn't even yeah. get a buck 70. Walk on who wants to play. But he sees me as a distraction. Mm. He like, I got players talking about you wanting to walk on as opposed to talking about how do we beat Cal? Right. Man, get this dude out of here. Distraction. Kick me off. <laughs> now, man, I'm working for free. Right. I'm a manager for free. So they're saving money. Mm. I'm a great manager. I'm making shakes. I'm doing laundry. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm in, and I'm playing. That gets me kicked out of school, by the way, just a side story. So I'm, I'm like, Stanford? yeah, cause I'm not doing school. Like I don't get, I don't pass enough credits. Okay. I get suspended. They warn me, they warn me, then they suspend me for a year. Cause all I'm doing is hooping and managing. Yeah. Cause I got one goal. We're getting to the, we're getting to the good stuff. I ain't noticed. So this, yeah, this is all the, the unfair, you know what I'm saying? So, so then dude kicked me out. And I'm mad. They, they call my phone. I got a little flip phone. It's a sprint little flip phone. Right. You, remember, you know what I'm saying? You, this could probably date the years, right? This is like, right. This dang near 2001 kind of thing. Yeah. They call, they call my phone and they had me come back. I'm riding to class, bro. I got no hoop shoes on, nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm just in like street clothes. Yeah. They had me come back and play 45 straight minutes on Casey Jacobson defense. Hmm. And that to me is like, it's really abusive in my opinion. It's like taking advantage of somebody who would do anything. Right. Like you call me from class. I got on, not even no hoop shoe. I got on regular like tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. Bro. And if you play defense like three times in a row and crunch, you already tired. Right. Bro, I'm 45 minutes. He going through drills, screens, off screens, phase. I, I'm, I'm just like, like I'm a, like I'm a, like I'm a tool. You know what I'm right. saying? Like that's how I felt, bro. I left that saying I'm never picking up my phone again, bro. They calling me. I'm never doing it again. Mm. They called me, kept calling me, kept calling me. When I had a personal relationship with a dude, with a coach named Eric Reverno, phenomenal dude. Went to Melo, uh, grew up in the area. And he called me and I picked up cause it's him. And he said, man, can you come to the office? I said, whatever, okay, I'll come through. And he signed some paperwork, man, across my table. And he started crying. Mm. 
and mm-hmm. the paperwork was like, it was the NCAA clearinghouse. And he was like, what number do you want to be? You know what I mean? <laughs> now, I was so unfazed because I had given up. When they did that, I gave up. I was like, man, I'm not picking up the phone calls. I'm done. Right, like, I'm right. turning the page. So to your point, like, you know, I, I got phased. Mm-hmm. But previous to that, bro, I knew what number I wanted. I knew what, you know what I'm saying? I already had my plan, like, and right, I was right. ready to give cats business too. Like I was, I was thinking like, cause at this point, man, I had, I had gained five, six pounds of muscle. Um, for me, that was a lot. You know, right. I, I had developed a shot. Like I, you know, at this point I'm not starting for Stanford, but I, you know, you put me in, you might get some. Right. So he slides the thing, so the thing across like what number I said, 12. And here's the cold part, bro. I'm giving you the longer story. The cold part was, fam, if you want to believe it, I had just getting kicked off. I had just got kicked out of school. They didn't know that? They didn't know that. <laughs> That's crazy. So, so I appeal to the people. I go to the room, right, to the academic advice. I'm like, man, okay, let me help you understand something. So for two years, I've been trying to make this team, and I just made it. Mm. Y'all can't kick me out right i get all the way up they're like you need you need 14 units right something something crazy right you need x amount of units man i'm riding my bike i'm doing the units i'm like teacher you know i can make the team you give me the units they're like cool i do the work they give me the units my units is up i'm straight i'm legit i'm like man i remember talking to this black dude he was he was like the head dude he had the choice to say yes or no yeah and i'm telling him i'm like bro man i made the team i don't think you understand I made the units, I made the team. And he said, brother, I said, he said, I got bad news for you, man. He said, I'm not gonna say yes. He said, cause it's clear you lost track of what school is for. School ain't for you to play hoop. Yeah. School's for you to do school. So no. <laughs> and so for that entire half a year, I had to watch games where I could have been playing. Right. And I'm still in this kind of a shirt on the bench. They let me back in in December, mm-hmm. clear my junk. So by January, I'm playing. Now, granted, that's Pac-10. Right. So only three times will we up enough where they put the dude at the end of the bench in the game. Right. When I got in the game, brother, you talking about a brother with unfazed. <laughs> I mean, you talking you about a brother advantage. with unfazed, fam. Huh? You took, adva- you took advantage? I never scored, but, bro, I put up shots. Right. Like, and I was aggressive like a mug, man. Like, right. I'm, I'm Dean cats up 94 feet. Like you would think I'm playing the NCAA tournament. But at this point I had a mentality, like every time I step on that floor, I'm, I'm somebody going, somebody's cookies is going to get taken. Like that was my mentality. And, you know, I played in there. I got fouled once I got two offensive rebounds. Um, Same play. Went up, got fouled. I started screaming to the crowd. Granted, we had a packed crowd at this point. Right. I'm screaming, can't nobody out here see me. And they, <laughs> and they, bro, when you talk about a Rudy type figure, you know, they've been watching me for four years, bro. I'm, I'm the I'm the fastest dude to pick up a jersey and fold it. I'm the yeah. fastest dude to get a water bottle to the dude. Like, I feel like I'm part of the team. That's my role. They see that. They sit across from the bench. And they see that dude who was that now on the court grabbing offensive rebounds on seven footers. Yeah. 
man, I'm yelling, man, the whole crowd going crazy, right? So I get to the free throw line. My coach is like, bro, calm down. Because at this point, I'm talking smack. I'm like, I'm feeling myself. And I missed right. both free throws. Because I was too hyped. But that was, that's my... That's my. That's it, bro. You got it. That's that's good, man. That's that's amazing story. You you don't know. Hopefully, somebody is listening or watching had no idea that that is possible. And the whole point of this podcast is that people don't understand what it took to get to wherever you're at. It doesn't matter if you're Jay Z. It doesn't matter if you're LeBron. They see what they see in the moment, but they don't see what led up to that moment. And so everybody has their own little story of inspiration to get people to understand that you can do anything. You just got to you got to put one foot in front of the other. You got to put one foot in front of the other. And it, it will eventually get to a positive outcome. But if you quit, you have zero chance of getting to this story. Like if you would have quit, if you would have gave up. You're not talking about this story. You're not remembering what's going on in your life. And it's bringing back memories and it's realizing you that you put in the work, man, and you had an awesome thing that you are proud of. And more people will hear that and understand. I'm pretty sure all the kids that come to Street Code probably don't know anything about this story. And they come from East Palo Alto. They come from uh, Menlo Park. And they want to go to Stanford or they want to go to Cal, but they feel like where they come from is not an option. It's not an option if you don't pursue it. You got to put one foot in front of the other and let the chips fall where they may. So that's an awesome story. I, I had no idea that. Um, Can I say one follow-up? Man, I know our time is, is you know, um, but let me say one follow-up, brother. Like when you came, and I like doing this. This is, a, this is an honor of mine to be able to say, man, I knew it in its, in its, in its process. I knew unfazed in its process. Like, I was there in the first few months when you came back to your home community, um, you know, to launch a business in your own community and know where it's going to go. And, and, and the thing is, bro, and I know you can relate to this. It's like you said one foot over the, you know, one foot over the other. Like to me, the word I used was process. Mm -hmm. Enjoy the process. And I had that on tape on my locker. Mm -hmm. Enjoy the process. Cause for me, I wasn't really going to make it like in, 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 I knew I was going to make it. I can't even lie. Like that was something that me and God had a conversation about. Right. And I was like, God, I'm going to make this. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how, but we're going to do this. And, but I had someone that said, enjoy the process. And I really believe that's the case, right? Street code two, I don't know where it's going to go. Mm -hmm. If it's going to not go or go, but it's, it's the process that I'm enjoying. Right. And, and I can't say, you know, I have to say like what it was to, to deepen my faith in God at the, at the time, like it was a real journey between me and God to take, you know, to do what I thought was impossible. And it really, it moved me in, in terms of like how I would define my faith and how I would um, claim it and really push like, God, what is this thing, man? And, and kind of playing with what is having faith and, God and I grew closer in that. And I always look back on that time. Like, man, I want to have that same level of faith mm -hmm. in terms of what's possible so that I can, you know, experience God at that level. Yeah. I'm a, uh, on my app, I have an app that I just started, like I told you. Um, and I, today I posted. No, I, it came up. It came up on my thing. 
Okay, so I'm, I'm gonna read it to the people who may not may not have the unfazed app that you can get on Google or on iPhone. It says, "Faith is like Wi-Fi. It's invisible, but it has the power to connect you to what you need. Have faith in yourself, especially through adversity, because you have the power to quit or to keep going." That's what you just said. You have faith. Your faith. If you faith. if you quit on your story, we don't know what you've been through. You probably wouldn't be to where you at, but you have faith between you and God. Mm-hmm. You couldn't see it just like you can't see Wi-Fi, but you know the power is going to connect you to where you need to get to. And his That's power. Bars. Yeah. Man. That's bars. So as we come to, to wrapping this up, let's talk about Street Code. Um, tell me what it's about. Tell me, which is how we got connected. Um, tell me what why you started it um, and, and, and what, what you hope that people understand of your purpose behind Street Code. Yeah, I mean, so Street Code is a, a nonprofit, um, offers free tech education, free innovation opportunity um, to communities of color, you know, starting in East Palo Alto, um, Bellhaven, Menlo Park community. And we've been doing this since 2014. Um, you know, now we have classes online offered to the world. Mm-hmm. Why we did it, my brother, is because how many people, you know, I, you, in your locker room, right? Marshawn, you got um, Aaron. And I mean, there's so many people, man, that I'm just talking about the brothers that I know that came out of there. And even Shower Pill. Um, Marley. Wale, man, shout out to Wale. Just before set, um, um, is it Winston or um, Wendell? Wendell, Wendell. Like, I mean, these are powerful brothers, man. That were joking around locker room, right? And now have a product that's carried them out, you know, across the United States and Target, all targets, and all targets. And here's my thing, brother Jonathan, and this unfazed is the same thing, like. Unfazed podcast, apparel, applications. That's just in the locker room, right? Like, like with some in our community, there are all this stuff, man. And innovation helped all those ideas go somewhere, right? And you came from Texas, you came back here for whatever reason, right? Multiple reasons, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But part of the idea is around like what could innovation do with the, the mindset of innovation, right? What could technology do? Our community needs that. And that takes us from mom and pop to global. That takes us from surviving to thriving. That takes us from paying our bills to generational wealth. And so if economic empowerment is like a civil rights issue, like we all need it, man, for like, that's what we need. Your mama was an entrepreneur, pillar of entrepreneurship. And you take it to the next level, how? Technology, mm-hmm. innovation. You're growing it, right? So I just wanted to see our community have those tools. You said it from the beginning. Like other communities, bro, it's not even a, it's not even a question. Mm-hmm. It's not even a question. And this is how sad it is, bro. Other countries is not even a question. Right. China, bro, I'm in China. Third grade class, bro, they coding. All of them. It ain't no after school club. It ain't no option elective. All of them. Hardcore. Why? Are they all going to be coders? No, but they all got to know what's up. 
And I'm like, we sitting over here, man, in our schools, in our communities, bro, some of us don't even know what that is, man. And if we do, we ain't got no good taste in our mouth. It's like, that's not for me. And I didn't want to, I, that, that was hurtful to me because that's the, that's the future. And we need that. So we were like, okay, let's do something about it. And we created straight street code. And now we're just trying to figure it out. Um, you asked the question about what I want people to know about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I want people to know, man, that, you know, it don't take a lot. It does take a lot, but it don't take a lot to, I mean, you have it right with unfazed, right? You, you Your whole premise is like, if you have that mentality, you're not going to stop. Right. So let's get the mentality, but we don't even know what to be unfazed about. A lot of us is unfazed about death. Like, look, Cass is still living because they unfazed to die. You know what I'm saying? And so like, we surviving, right. but that's not all we need to be unfazed about. Like mm-hmm. we could be unfazed about getting education. We could be unfazed about getting money. We could be unfazed about getting a money, a business. We could be unfazed about learning innovation. Mm-hmm. We just don't know what to be unfazed about. And to me, right. like what I'm hoping is that, you know, you're a living example of like what happens with someone who's unfazed to use technology. Like you have your own app. Strico ain't got an app, but you got an app. Like Team Espachi, the other, we ain't got no app. Mm. You got an app because you're unfazed about using technology. And now you got an app, Android, iOS app. And it's like, man, I'm just, I'm just excited for when, that's why I want people to know, be excited about Mm -hmm. what happens when we get to, oh, shucks, innovations like that. Mm-hmm. technology like that watch out because once we get the mindset it's a wrap you know what i mean because right. we we're gonna do so, a lot of things with it that's amazing man um nobody knows what the future holds but i do know that if you give up on your dreams or you give up on your ambition to do whatever it is good bad or indifferent it's not gonna happen um so tomorrow's not promised um and i I literally mean tomorrow is not promised. Yeah. We've seen Kobe, Nipsey, um, Man. Uh, my guy from Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman. Oh, it's oh. just all these people um, mm. who are gone way too soon. And it's important that we understand that tomorrow is not promised. So you got to take advantage of every day. Whether you are taking, you're getting better at 1%, a half percent, just work at being better, man. And, and that's what I see um, what you're doing. We're trying to empower the kids in our in, in the community of East Palo Alto and Menlo Park. That's what I'm trying to do with Unfazed. That's how we ended up coming together, meeting each other organically and just trying to build off each other, man. You're doing some great things. I'm trying to do some great things and just excited for what the future holds, man. I appreciate you giving the time um, today to be a part where, of this where, where, where is your unfazed story? Is it already out? No. Um, so I'm late. I'm I'm low key, man. I I don't like to talk about my life, um, but I know that is part of the process. And I've learned that being in street code, taking the entrepreneurship class, and my teachers telling me that people want to know the man behind the story. Um, so that's well. Look, well, let, 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 let me let me let me <laughs> put on let me put on the record. If ever you wanted to flip the script and me to be on this side and the questions go to your side, I'd be honored, bro. Because 
your family story, I thought needed to, I, I think it needs to be out there, you know, right. but that's just family. Right. But you, and you talk about today, tomorrow's not promised. And I, and I remember hearing some things like, okay, maybe you know a little bit about that. And it's like, to me, it's powerful, you know? And I'm gonna just tell you this, from a user of your podcast, it's therapeutic. Yeah. Like for me to reflect, did something for me. Like that hour that we spent, yeah, like helped me out. You know what I mean? I'm walking away more in tune with myself, more energized, you know? So if there was ever a way that I could be the therapist for you or yeah. be the interviewer for you or, or, or let the world hear your story. Um, so you had, so podcast number, you know, zero, zero two or zero, zero eight or whatever we own is of your story. Um, I'd be honored, man. So I, I'm sure a lot of people would love to do that, but, um, no, you, you, you got, uh, you know, my, my availability if you need it. I appreciate that, man. I, I'm glad you said it was therapeutic for you. Uh, but the thing I, I want people to take away when I interview them is to, is to highlight your story. Like I'm not just randomly asking anybody to be on here. It's because I've noticed something in the individual that I'm interviewing that they have a story to tell. And hopefully you become more appreciative of your journey by talking about it today, um, which is how we got to this point. I, I wouldn't just ask you to, to tell me your story if you came from Oregon straight to Stanford with no adversity in between that story. I knew a little bit about the story up to this point and I learned a lot more, which uh, made me even more excited to, to help tell the story because somebody's gonna hear this. Kids that, that come go to street code are gonna hear this and it's gonna resonate with at least one person. And that's all you can ask for is that one person is better than none. And then that story is gonna trickle into somebody else and then we're gonna have a whole bunch of kids in our community that are gonna be inspired by your story or my story or just seeing people that look like us, which is the end goal to get to where we did, which is to go to college or have some sort of plan and, no, and build off that plan. What year of high school are you? Uh, I graduated 2000. Okay, so I'm older than you by a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. all right. Yeah, all right, brother, man, you um, bless you, fam. And thank you for having me and- Appreciate it. All right, man, um, as we end this podcast, you can find information on Street Code. Uh, is it? www.streetcode.us, streetcode.us. And uh, on Instagram, what is it? At Street Code Academy. Okay, um, check it out, guys. It's worth it. It, it. it is how we got connected. I'm excited just in general what the, the whole premise behind it is. Um, and just tap in in any in any way that you guys can, whether it's liking a picture or telling somebody about it. They are doing great things, and um, I would not be associating with anybody that does not do anything great. This is why this this uh, interview took place today. So I hope you guys appreciate it. Thank you again, uh, Mr. Tunde, uh, and uh, keep tapping in, guys. I appreciate you guys listening and watching. Salute to you, brother. Peace. All right.